0: Colton got a new bicycle with training wheels. The wheels were helpful to keep his bike balanced on their flat driveway. The helpful wheels also allowed this young learner to pedal quickly down the sidewalk without falling down. Then he saw his big sister riding her bike in the backyard. Oh boy, he thought. I can go where she goes. I'll keep up. Turning off the sidewalk, he bounced onto the grass. The yard was not nearly as smooth as the concrete had been because moles had been tunneling in the lawn lately. Colton's right training wheel sunk into a mole hole. The bike tipped over, sending him sprawling to the ground. Grass stained and slightly bruised. He looked at his training wheel and frowned. You were supposed to keep me safe. He pushed the bike away from the hole and got back on. Pedaling forward, he soon discovered the backyard had some pretty big slopes he hadn't noticed before while on foot. Instead of helping him on the rough terrain, the training wheels actually caused him to spill over once again. After a month of riding only on the sidewalks and solid surfaces, the young man developed the courage to finally take off the training wheels. Rather than leaning on them to keep him up, he had something new. He had a sense of balance. Going on to the backyard was not dangerous now because balancing on two wheels made him more maneuverable. The pitfalls, the slopes, they didn't knock him down anymore. Jesus did not just come to give us more training wheels as God gave Moses and the children of Israel in the wilderness. Instead, he came to give us the right moral balance in life. Religious rules can help at first, but they can create problems when somebody gets into the real world. If people depend on rules to tell them, do this, but don't do that, don't do this, but do that, they'll be disoriented when people are faced with some new thing they have no rule for. A true disciple, a true follower of Jesus is led by the Spirit and by the principles of the kingdom of God. They have a genuine love and concern for others, which will keep them from lying to or cheating someone. If we love others as Jesus does, we won't steal from them. We won't need man-made to-dos and to-don'ts as much as we need kingdom balance. And learning from the book of Luke, we're going to learn a whole lot more about that right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast. Brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. I hope you are faring well. I am L.J. Harry, your host, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life Companion Podcast. It's called Companion because there is a Companion Student Guide. If you'd like to follow along, you can't. If you don't have one of those, you can pick them up at PentecostalPublishing.com. There's a shameless plug. But we are going to be looking at the lesson dated February 27th, 2022, entitled, Following the Teachings of Jesus. And that lesson stems from Luke chapter 6, verse 46. It's a question Jesus asked. He asked, Why call ye me Lord, Lord? and do not the things which I say? That's a pretty good question. We've heard people say before, I'm blessed, and may God bless you, and oh, bless their heart. Of course, we know that last, bless their heart, that means something different than bless their heart. Several other statements use that word "bless." A better version of blessed is the person might be, life will go well for the person. If we are blessed of God, life goes well for us. We're filled with hope. Jesus taught that. He taught that life goes well for those who learn to value the things which are opposite of what our world celebrates. Life goes well for the poor who gave up their things for the kingdom of God. Many of Jesus' followers, they found themselves in poverty. Several, however, chose poverty by leaving their jobs, leaving the comforts of home so they could follow Jesus and thrive spiritually. They bought into the kingdom, which meant they had to stop clutching the things of this world. How have you found the values of the world to be upside down when compared to the values of the kingdom of God? Jesus said disciples who work to make the world a better place will be persecuted, but they are blessed. He said it in Luke chapter 6 verse 22, blessed are you when men hate you, that doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't because it's upside down. Blessed are you when men exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake rejoice in that day and leap for joy (laughs) that's that's definitely upside down for indeed your reward is great in heaven there it is for in like manner their fathers did the same to the prophets if we want to have ownership in eternity jesus said be persecuted in time how should we respond when other people lie about us we should learn to laugh find the humor In lives, people make up. When people say bad stuff, Jesus said, rejoice. We're commanded to be excessive in our excitement about such treatment. That is so opposite from our world. Our world demands to be right, demands its rights. And Jesus said, "If people say stuff about you, just laugh. This sets disciples of Jesus in the category of the greatest prophets in history. Jesus' apostles listened to this message, and they remembered it. And the very first time they were beaten for the cause of Jesus Christ, They literally rejoiced and counted it all joy. Studies have shown that trees, which are raised in experimental biodomes, now how's that for a transition, have fallen over after several years because they didn't put down deep roots. Wind and storms, they forced the trees to anchor deeply. Disciples do not wait for life to shape us. We consecrate ourselves and volunteer for a rough ride. It's not going to be pretty, but we are going to be blessed. We must remember what Jesus told his first disciples. If they persecuted me, don't worry, they will persecute you. Think about it in your life. What tough situations have you endured because of your faith? And how has it shaped and even strengthened you? Jesus taught life goes well for people who have pure hearts. Many so-called Christian things have been done out of selfish motives. Not only does what we do matter, but so do our motives. We, we must give, we must lead, we must sacrifice out of pure hearts, not underhanded or selfish motives. If we're not seeing God clearly, we need to check our hearts because the humble, the pure, Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount, they will see God clearly. And he loves peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemaker. Nobody can be a peacemaker and be proud. Proud people blow up under pressure. They can't receive correction. Being a peacemaker is smiling and loving, even when you're falsely accused. Our world can excuse a bad temper, but that's not disciple material. Jesus' list reveals the new set of values by which disciples are driven. He celebrated the poor the world despises. He, He also warned that doom would come to the rich because they've already received their consolation in this life. Congratulations, you've got money, but that's all you get. Those who are self-satisfied in luxury and possessions and pursuing their best life now they really have no hope in the next life because our best life is not now. Our best life is then. We don't have to hit rock bottom to get a right heart. We can choose brokenness. We can choose to be generous. We can choose to give, to share, to give up a meal, to give resources, to help others, to separate the comfy life for a time. If we struggle to be hungry for the things of heaven, it might be because we're too full of the things here on earth. Sometimes we need to hunger before we feel that hunger for righteousness because those who fill themselves now, Jesus said, will be starved eternally. That's a principle concerning fasting. Maybe it does us well to hunger through breakfast, lunch, or dinner in order to remember we are supposed to hunger for righteousness. Speaking of fasting, how has the practice of fasting helped you in your spiritual life? A few years ago, my family and I went out to South Dakota. We went to visit Mount Rushmore, and we were amazed to see the countenance of four presidents there carved in the side of the mountain. Now, it would be impossible to carve the face of Benjamin Franklin into that of Abraham Lincoln. There's not enough material left, and too much has already been removed, I mean, Lincoln's face is nothing like Ben Franklin's. Just take a look at a five, and if you have a hundred, take a look at a hundred, and you'll see. But God can do more with a person who comes to him as nothing. A self-made person has already been carved or been chiseled into some image, and typically it's of themselves. This idea of self-sacrifice, it flies in the face of 21st century values. It wasn't well received in the first century either. It would be like trying to carve... Lincoln's face into Franklin's or Franklin's face into Lincoln, it just doesn't happen. We have chosen to walk with God to put him first. And because of that, we're targets for those who they don't understand the power of self-sacrifice. They don't even realize that by persecuting us, they're making us more like him. That's not a martyr's mentality. That's just if I'm persecuted for my faith, I'm not looking for it, but if it happens, well I count it all joy because they persecuted Jesus. And I'm sure they'll persecute me. But I also know this, whatever they take from me, they can't take away what really, truly, ultimately in eternity matters to me. And that is my right relationship with Jesus. Disciples of Jesus value what Jesus values. He values people. We must value people, all people. People who are easy to get along with, and people who are not. True disciples of Jesus will love their enemies. Those are the people who it's not easy to get along with. His followers will help make life better for those who make their lives miserable. Believers will do good for people who hate them. We're no better than sinful people if we only help those who treat us kindly. Jesus taught us that. If we respond rudely to hateful people, though, only notice how we have behaved and they won't see our actions They may see us as mean and tell others, uh, have you heard one of those Christians said and did again? In fact, I was in the store recently and somebody walked in and I just felt like they were getting ready to posture for a fight and I was preparing my smart, witty, clever retort and the Lord convicted me before he said anything, before I responded with anything, the Lord convicted me. Nobody's going to look at me and say, wow, that was clever. That was witty. That was smart. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. Rather, they're going to look at me and say, you're a jerk. And that's not a good example or a witness. Even if I'm right, I should still be deferential and I should still be willing to say, I'm not going to fight. I want to be kind. Thankfully though, in case you wonder the end of the rest of the story, he never said anything, and I never said anything, so it was all right. Think about your own life. What is spilling out of your life? When people bump into you, or life takes you by surprise, what sloshes out? If you have a glass that's full of water, and somebody bumps it, and it spills over, what spills over out of your life? Do you laugh at the unexpected, or do you get angry? Do people become more irritated or more excited by just being close to you? Believers are people who do, not just talk. Disciples develop by watching other believers' lives. We learn to give, and those watching us will give too. We learn to pray, those watching us will pray. As we learn to fast, to witness, to evangelize, to disciple, others watching us will do the same. There's a story about a world-traveling speaker who was overseas in a hotel room and had a broken air conditioning unit. And if you've ever been in one of those very warm countries in the middle of their summer... A broken A.C. unit is not pleasant. So he anointed that air conditioner with oil and it started working amazingly. He also told stories about healings when happened when he put his hands on people and he prayed. And hearing this, a young man remarked, wow, he is a man of God. But is that the gauge? Being able to pray with somebody or something and God works a miracle. Is that how we gauge who is a man of God? Sadly, his poor financial management, it destroyed the church where he was pastoring. His poor relational management destroyed his marriage. His ministry fell apart. It was a great show at first, a show of spirituality. But eventually, as inevitably happens, the fruit revealed his identity. Just because people are able to pray and God works miracles through them, that doesn't necessarily mean they're in right relationship with God. And that means the same for us. If you can pray for people and God heals them, that doesn't mean he approves of your sin or of mine. We must make sure we're in right relationship with God. Our hearts are right with God. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the pure, the undivided in heart. We must humble ourselves and allow God to search our hearts. Do we get caught up in everything God wants to do through us? Or have we taken the time to develop a genuine relationship and connection, not just with God's blessings, but with a God of those blessings? All right, let's wrap this up. There was a story about a farmer, Farmer Brown, who apparently that's all the farmer's names and stories, who lives in a humble farmhouse with his family. And the farm had a pasture and an old fence and a few cattle. He also had a pet border collie who followed him everywhere, loyal as could be, but he had a bull. And that bull loved to walk along the old fence line looking for a weak spot or somewhere where somebody had left the gate open and he could escape. And when he can get out, he's going to run up the lane. He's going to visit the neighbor's cows. He's going to spend some time with some of the cows in the neighbor's pasture. And Farmer Brown, he talked about this stuff with him. Who knows if the bull could speak English, but Farmer Brown tried. He told him how much he loves him and how much he makes sure just to understand home is here. Home isn't over there. Home is here. But still, the bull wanted to get out of that fence and get away from the farmer. However, back to the border collie. The border collie lived on the back porch of the farmhouse. The yard isn't fenced in. She can get over, get under any fence on the property. There is nothing keeping her there. There's never a point to try to build a fence to hold her, but she didn't need one. She never wanders down the road. Farmer Brown could leave for two weeks of vacation and have friends check on his dog, and she'll be right there at the house waiting for the farmer to return. So what is the difference between the bull and the border collie? The bull has no loyalty to the farmer. There's no bond, no love there. The bull just wants to get out. He wants to get away. He wants to be free. But the border collie could not imagine wandering away, even though she could wander away, because the road was right there and there was no fence. The border collie was loyal, loved her master, and the bull not so much. So, which one are we more like? Do we love our master so much that we don't need a fence for everything? Are we living on the edge of the pasture, pacing the limits of all the restrictions, just looking for an open gate or a loophole or a scripture or an argument or a book that allows us to do what we want to do? Are we looking for a hole in religion's rules that can let us get through and do as we want to? Or are we looking to please God in everything we do? Are we seeing the fences that he has built for us as protection rather than prohibition? Are we seeing... Our master in the right light. He's not trying to keep us him then. He's trying to keep danger out. Thank God for his goodness and his grace. I, for one, I want to follow him. I want to live for him. I want to love him. I don't need fences for everything. I just want to be close to him. And close to him, I know, you know, we're safe. Let's pray today. Ask the Lord to give us a deeper love for him as a disciple, to follow him, to love him, to want to please and be close to him and bring him glory in the lives we live. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for calling us to be your disciple. Thank you for calling us to follow you. and What you have said, not only to read it or hear it, but to do it. I do pray help every one of us to follow this Sermon on the Mount. Help every one of us, Jesus, to be more like you, to be loyal to you, to love you, to follow you. Even if we're persecuted, it's still counted all joy because we are counted among those who have suffered for your namesake. I do pray, help every one of us, Jesus, not to need fences for everything, but rather may the law by which we live, may it be a law of love because we love you, you have loved us and do love us. Help us to love you, I pray, in the lives we live. We love you and honor you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, God's Word for Life listeners. Be sure to click subscribe so you will never miss any episode whenever it comes along. And click share so you can share these episodes with others. And they too can be blessed by hearing the Word of God and growing in their relationship with God as well. Thank you for all of you who do share. We have seen an uptick in our downloads. So thank you so much for all of those who are sharing this and continue to listen and grow in your relationship with Jesus. Next week, we start a brand new series and a brand new quarter. We're going to start a series called Our Hiding Place, and our first episode will be called Living Out God's Word. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week, and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at pentecostalpublishing.com.